I appreciate everyone here. This has been, you know, a few weeks that I've had to reschedule because these Thursday afternoons get tough in the summer with a little one full time at home. And it's right in the middle of the day here. So it's hard to explain to a five year old that we have to go back and do a call. Although um, I did manage to get her out to the beach. So she's nice and sun tired. The sea air has kind of knocked her out a bit. So I've been able to join and sit down with all of you guys. Uh, I wanted to, I guess, pick up from where we left off about, you know, a few weeks ago around the resignation, because I said that we could have a call. And uh, when I spoke to Vicki at the time, it just seemed really full on to try to gauge everybody where their head was at, because, you know, it took everyone by surprise or did it. Um, but you'll see, I, they're just, I mean, I'm, I'm not there, so, um, but there just seems to be a lot of uh, chaos around where he goes next. So we can talk about that. I mean, I've seen the Telegraph talk about the, you know, uh, what was it, the Secretary General of NATO? <laughs> and then someone said he was going to resign and join a new party or form a new party. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. So we'll talk about that. And then I guess I've had a few questions about the Coinbase uh, lawsuit and what my thoughts are on Coinbase. And, you know, just to get to the ed the bottom line of this Coinbase, um, you know, puppet show we're seeing now, I, I really do think that the XRP Ripple case has been settled already, you guys. And this is just a distraction. This is a way to save face. I mean, the more that I'm watching, um, you know, some of this stuff come out and uh, the case, you know, just seeing how it unravels. And I'm speaking, actually, I, I'm speaking directly to Jeremy Hogan this past week to kind of, you know, um, see what his thoughts are on a few, uh, a few points. And, you know, we could see, I mean, if not already a settlement, and there definitely seems a deliberate attempt to save face uh, within the SEC's part, uh, at least to keep its power or to show its muscle. And I think there's no better way of, of you know, illustrating that than right now what we're watching with Coinbase. So you guys just stayed. I mean, I know it's frustrating. The market's been down. It's, you know, there's a lot of kind of volatility. And of course, those are new to crypto are feeling you know, a bit, um, I mean, I feel like I want to just say, I'm sorry for everyone who entered the crypto market in 2022. What a terrible time. At the same time, you get to buy in at prices that most people didn't get to buy in at, um, last year during the rise. So I guess in one way that's a blessing. Um, but just hold tight because like, you know, we've said on this channel before, we're not, talking about the financial system uh, now. I mean, crypto trading has been great over the last few years. Even Bitcoin and Ethereum had its day to buy and hold. Um, I see those days ending. I mean, I don't believe ETH has much life. ETHgate is real. And uh, it'll only be a matter of time before that regulation comes down on the proof of work. I mean, they're looking to ban an outlaw. So have you been seeing all that too, Vicky? Have you kept up with it? 
Yeah, so I mean, crypto markets at the moment, as you said, are massively volatile. If I just give you a rundown on XRP, quickly looking at my chart structure, we are bouncing sideways um, and we keep hitting the resistance line of 37 cents. Uh, most crypto, even though we're having those little sharp spikes, are, are all doing the same. It's looking positive. It's consolidating well. A lot of people have said, you know, um, the bottom is in. Um, I know I've put out there that 17 cent prediction. It, it's hard, isn't it, to, to commit and say, yeah, yeah, we're going to go off and we're going to have this, that and the other because um, um, impacts, impacts of, of news, news can really, can really set, the set the direction, direction of, of all markets. All markets. So, you know, the um, 75 basis points that the Fed put on the uh, interest rates saw gold, silver and all of crypto explode within that following hour. I sent you pictures, Jennifer, didn't I? I said, look, everything's off. So it shows you where sentiment heads when they're looking for safe havens and things like that and how the news can impact. Um, so with the Eastgate situation... <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I know don't know how they're surviving, how they're surviving at the moment, the moment with ETH, to be honest. I mean, you're going to see more and more coins migrate um, off the proof of work or like either build their own blockchain or build on top of other blockchains, right? So like our favorites, Shiba NFT, right? They're building this on the XRP ledger because <laughs> why not? This is just... You know, the, if, if XRP Ledger is going to function as this open source kind of gift to the world to build on, and you know they're already setting themselves up, they've they've already set themselves up for the institutional uh, side. So now that they're kind of opening the gates, I've been watching a lot of gamers kind of enter into the XRPL. You know, looking at the gaming, I mean, the gaming community. Um, you know, looking to build on top of this. And, and uh, you know, some have said that XRPL will be the official blockchain for gaming, which is crazy. I mean, it's laughable for some for some of the people that have been in this space for so many years. Um, I didn't laugh. Obviously, it made sense to me. But and obviously, I mean, Vicky and I are like, OK, glad everybody's catching on. Right. Um, but, you know, this is why you know, with the Ripple grants that you see, the XRP grants coming out, they're trying to incentivize and, you know, encourage everybody to build on their ledger now. And, you know, when Ripple does something, they don't do anything half-assed, as we've learned. So, you know, they're really pushing out um, this development side. Like we've talked about, you know, we're all still very new into this crypto space. So, Again, if you're new to in 2022, don't lose heart. It, you know, you haven't lost until you sell. And if anything, just keep buying as these markets are low. We might see another capitulation. We might go down. As I've said before, you know, when, in, when XRP goes crazy, the servers often shut down and it's hard to buy in. <laughs> or sell. So, you know, be, be weary there. I mean, I, I would love to be able to buy at 17 cents. And if we go down to nine cents, I mean, that's a pipe dream, but um, I'd like to think that that would be something quick and fast if we did drop down that much. But um, I wouldn't hold your breath for prices that low, guys. If it happens, great. And if you can manage to buy in at that point, awesome. But, you know, these markets move swift and fast and they're so manipulated. It's very hard 
to follow. I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful that Vicki keeps her charts and she keeps up on those, the technical analysis side. Um, so at least we can try to gauge, you know, where things are going. Um, but even you, Vicki, have said how hard it's been to kind of, you know, follow this crazy market. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, I mean, you know, I look at pattern, pattern formation, formation primarily. Um, I look against things like, like what's called what's moving, moving averages, averages um, which um, are quite defined quite lines of how, how previous, previous cycles, cycles have worked in relation to where we are at the are moment in the market. market. Uh, uh, where I look at what's I called the relative, relative strength, strength index, index, which is looking at um, um, the movement of the XRP for the volume, how much has been sold, how much has been bought, and just what's going what's on going as a whole, as but, a whole but, but all of the cryptos, of the cryptos have been odd, isn't it? Last week, I think I said, Jennifer, to you, like, it's just, it's just odd. odd. I don't know what it's, it's doing. doing. It's not, it's not followed the patterns at the moment, but, um, yeah, this is, um, this is not normal guys. Cause I mean, like when you, you know, last year we had a pump, you know, in, in what was it? End of March or end of April that it went to yeah. 196. Yeah. You know, and then it le it went it, it had another kind of mini pump in July, and then some other alts took off in the fall. So we had somewhat of a broken season, but even then, it was you know still hit or miss. I think there's there's nothing really to be worried about. I think you know our kind of mantra is anything you can buy with XRP, uh, pretty much under a dollar at the moment is a bargain. We look at what's called dollar cost averaging. So you know I've bought as high as one dollar forty. I've bought as low as uh, 20 cents. Um, and when you start averaging out how many XRP I have to how much I've spent, you know, I'm hitting around the 40, 45 cent mark. So, so getting in now, now at 30, 30, where are we, where now? Are we now? I can't even see where we're at. 37 cents is a bargain, really, when we're looking at the longer term hold on things and how much, you know, you're buying. Um, absolutely, guys. And I just can't help but <laughs> say that I think there's going to be a day that we'll see that we can't buy it, that it will no longer be available for whatever reason. And, you know, that's the point where you want all your assets off the exchanges, on a ledger or on a cold wallet, where you're not under uh, the threat of a shutdown of these exchanges. Um, and just to kind of reiterate what I see happening, you know, what could potentially happen with this Coinbase stuff. You know, years ago when we were early day Bitcoin mining, you know, you, you're, you're basically mining something from nothing, really early days, volatile digital asset or uh, crypto. And you have all your Bitcoin on an exchange and suddenly the exchange shuts down or they lock your wallet and you can't move your assets. Uh, <laughs> and I've been begging everyone I know, you know, just get everything off Coinbase I mean, really get it off the exchanges as soon as possible. Although one of the things with, you know, uphold that makes it very difficult is that ACH hold they do for American payments. It's terrible for 60 days. Uh, they do have a VIP club that I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what exactly the requirements are to be in it. Somehow I'm in it, which is crazy. Um, they, you know, I'm, I'm in it and it, it's, they don't hold your payments. So it's like they have to hold your payments, but then they, you know, you don't have to hold your payments. You know, that's how the exchanges operate. It's very frustrating. And Qcoin, Kraken, I mean, Binance, we've seen one by one, 
um, you know, headlines come out about that. And I don't think that's coincidental. I think they're really trying to push this regulation um, angle. And for that, they have to make everybody start getting nervous about the exchanges. And then you see this insider trading. I'm sure it happens. Um, I don't think Coinbase, you know, with this whole securities thing, like I said, I think this is very much orchestrated theater uh, to get people, you know, to kind of think of, you know, what the, the regulation of the overall market. And if something happens to our financial system, now we're going to have this kind of new skeletal system. You know, I can see a realignment of the CFDC's relationship with the SEC uh, and the controller of operating or the, what is it? The OCC, Operating Currencies. Oh, am I saying it wrong? It's the, the Office of the Comptroller. Yeah, controlling currency. currency. It's where Brian Brooks works. So it's like each one of these agencies had its place in the central banking system. And now we'll have their realignment in this new, you know, blockchain digital asset uh, system. So you guys, it's, we're going to see a little bit of, of, of you know, I'm going to say internal muscle, you know, kind of flexing. Uh, with these cases, and ultimately it comes down to the bottom line of, you know, defining what is a security, what is the new stable coins. I heard um, Kevin O'Leary speak about the importance of, you know, that stable coin and what the dollar is prepared to do to keep its status as a global reserve currency. At one point, um, as we spoke to Mario about, you know, its dominance as the world global currency was uh, <clears throat> because of... The <clears throat> The simple fact that the U.S. had the most gold, and at the time the dollar was as good as gold. Uh, so now we've kept this title all these years, but do we have the gold? Are we as you know as legit? Is that dollar really worth what they say it is? And definitely not an ounce of gold. I mean, you guys know where my answers are on that. So if the U.S. is going to keep its position, there's going to have to be some kind of real miracle i mean you know serious restructuring of the financial system and that's where i think xrp is kind of waiting in the sidelines you know as the i don't want to say knight in shining armor or the <laughs> phoenix that rises um but that will be that kind of you know because especially since we have that large chunk in the escrow you know that's that um uh, fulfillment of the liquidity crisis we could potentially be seeing and when the dollar busts and you've got, you know, half the world or the BRIC nations trading in, you know, real assets, gold, silver, oil. I mean, they're going to trade in, you know, real entities pushing an exchange rate against a gold standard. I mean, how is the dollar going to keep up unless we can create a gold standard and, you know, go back to the future in a cryptocurrency kind of way, right? So... I guess this is where I continue to watch the economy, you know, and I've, since we've talked, we've, we've checked in with all you guys, uh, you know, over the past month, you know, I've been telling you, I've been getting chickens, by the way, everyone should get chickens. These are the best pets. They're so cute. Um, and I've really enjoyed having them and fresh eggs and all this, but, um, you know, we as a family continue to prepare however long it takes, whether it's this fall or we bleed into next year. Uh, because again, you know, preparing for, 
the new finance or the financial collapse and the new financial system, as well as taking care of the other essentials, the food, water, shelter, security, energy, all those things. Um, you know, this is the time to be doing it. Vicki, what about you? What have you guys been doing to prepare? So my so parents have done really well with their veggie yard. Oh, I saw um, the cucumber. Um, it was like a giant cucumber. <laughs> Luckily, our neighbours grow a lot of vegetables, so we've had a little bit from them as well. But I need to, um, we've got a patch out the back, which uh, we need to turn over and, and establish vegetables in. So we are a little bit behind. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've got our fruit trees, so we're going to be swapping vegetables for some of our fresh plums and fresh pears, which we were really lucky to have with the house when we got it. Uh, otherwise, I'm maintaining dry dry food stores and tins uht milk cartons a uh, little stock rotation system to make sure that we use up stuff so it doesn't go out of date um i've also as you know um i use two delivery um things i get who gives a crap toilet paper <laughs> after the shortage last time just in case for future things which is it's it's great value for money actually um and hello fresh and i've said this to you before jennifer you know potential of you know, hopefully there won't be any food shortages and whatever, but if there is um, or reductions in quality of food in supermarkets, um, I, I saw when Who Gives a Crap stopped taking on customers. So we've got an established four meals a week for four people, you know, guaranteed delivery, hoping that they will survive through things like this. And I think, um, you know, just there's... Um, farm deliveries and stuff like that I'm looking into as well local farm stuff and, and establishing those links so if you don't have the space to grow your own it's looking around in your community you know we've got milk station up the road for fresh milk um, I'd love to get chickens but I'm not allowed to at the moment um, and things like that like just that looking at what's around, what's around. Why, why can't you get chickens I'm not allowed, I'm allowed to, to yet until we sort the garden <laughs> I'm working on I'm it. I'm working on it. Uh, I'm curious if anybody knows, please raise your hand. Um, you know, do they, do they, are there, are you allowed to have chickens in London? <laughs> um, because I know you're not supposed to have roosters here, but people do. And that cracks me up. I like applaud their, their, their brazenness. <laughs> You've got to be careful, be careful here. here. Um, um, because, because if neighbours aren't happy and they complain to environmental health, then they can be removed. So you can't literally build yourself um, a farm in the backyard anymore, like you would have been able to do in the 60s, 70s or whatever. I do know there's kind of local restrictions potentially, so you've got to look uh, in your area as to if there is any restrictions. I know anybody who's potentially housing association um, or council supported may not be able to have livestock. Um, and we've just gone through the... Bird flu. Okay. I you sound like an like a PSA announcement. Oh no! Oh, no <laughs> I mean, seriously, why why are we asking permission? I'm just, and I feel like the yeah, more we yeah. ask permission at this point, the more we're gonna they're gonna expect us to for everything else. So I'm gonna be the opposite of Vicky here, and I'm just gonna say, go for it, and you know. Forget it. What are these local councils? What power do they have? Look, I, I'm not trying to get anybody else in trouble. I know there'll be somebody there who can't wait to like quote me on that. But um, you know, we, I've, I've, we are living in a time where you either, you know, just 
keep demanding your your freedoms over compliance in any kind of way. And since everybody's chiseling away at what you're allowed and not allowed to do, man, don't ask. I just go for it. All right. Well, listen, this isn't just a conversation about Vicky and I. I, w I know this is a this was a community call that I said I would do back when um, the guy in number 10, you know, said he was resigning. And it was a little bit, you know, I know it would put everybody off. I want to just kind of give my little bit on it um, from some of the questions that I've, you know, kind of had over the last few months or, or weeks. And, and then I can turn over the discussion to everybody else. Um, so if you want to add your bits on uh, our, your chickens and all that kind of stuff, feel free then. But okay. So I said to you guys, I really, and I, I don't know if you've watched the Hearts of Oak podcast um where i just said look he's not going anywhere um i know that he, he, he told everybody he was resigning but i think he's a placeholder as i've always said he was installed for a reason and he's he's gonna be where he is until he's needed and i think it's interesting this kind of dangle of uh you know the general Se or secretary general of nato um, or starting a new party or that he doesn't want to go or Asa La Vista. I mean, the, that was, that was a, a moment of the old B, I guess. But I think this is what they're trying to do. One of the best things about uh, that, you know, the late Boris Johnson was that he was an incredible showman and a really good campaigner. And one of his strengths was being that kind of show pony for the party. So naturally that side is really gonna come out and appeal to people, especially for those that are still, you know, needing to have some kind of uh, validation or, you know, just can't let it go that um, in the last two years, they just wanna dismiss it as unprecedented times, I guess. Because the ultimate, you know, where I keep coming back to is that this man, and this government are all complicit in crimes against humanity. But specifically, I posted, you know, a few months back about the arrest of Boris Johnson. As I was told, you know, a year, over a year ago, um, <clears throat> by very credible sources that, that he was uh, in the midst of, you know, treasonous acts with the unlawful surveillance of not only the UK citizens and US citizens, but the interference into the US elections. And I couldn't help but notice there was some things along the line when he was foreign secretary that not only he hated, I mean, he hated that job. And I mean, he hated it, you guys. And that just, I can't shake the way he just hated you doing what they had him do, going where he was followed. There was all, and I didn't really get into the details. I mean, I wasn't awake enough to ask those things. I just kind of let him tell me what he needed to tell me. Um, but I'll tell you, there were several occasions where he just hated that role. Um, but he had to do it. This was part of a means to an end. Now, was that where they said, do you want the Churchillian legacy you know, and to come in and be the war hero of all time and lead us through these unprecedented times, get Brexit. And they would have probably given him the sun, the moon, the stars. And the endorsement of the establishment would have meant everything to him. Uh, so, yeah, I think there would have been a certain level of compliance. Maybe there was a point where, you know, he was friends with Donald Trump. Maybe there was, 
you know, talk of saving the nation and being, you know, a white hat. Is Boris a white hat? Everybody asks me this all the time. And, you know, I know there's some people that just want to look to everything, the language, the, the this, the that, to, to kind of reconcile the fact that we would have been so much more worse off without him because he's been fighting the good fight on behalf of the people. Now, look, perhaps that was true at some point, okay? The man I knew I would never, ever, ever have taken for a pedophile or any of these other kind of demonic entity associations. That's not what I knew him as. I didn't know him as someone who was, you know, counting the depopulation strategies in the back room or contemplating how he could, you know, be part of the inevitable destruction of humanity, okay? The man I knew freaking loved people. Now he was a lot of broken, you know, a broken man, you know, emotionally insecure. We, he had very close few friends, but he loved going out and doing the show of the people. Now, sure, did he have that elitist contempt that so many do? You know what I'm talking about, guys. The, the, the ones that are, you know, that look down or want to play the part that they're somehow entitled or better. Sure. But the lines blur there, but guys, because I know plenty non-elitists that still think they're those, you know, they're entitled, you know, to judge humanity or live up above humanity. One rule for them and one rule for everybody else. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the calls before, but I was quite surprised when someone I know who knew Diana really well, um, and she's still in the UK and she's quite a big deal, so I can't use her name. Um, she is lovely and gracious and oh, I adore this woman, especially her accent. And she tells this great story of how Diana, there were like three sides of Diana. There was like this really nasty side that hated humanity. And then this really nymphomaniac side um, that would put all kinds of moves on her husband. And, you know, and then there was this comforting side. Um, but, you know, as she said, you never knew what you were going to get when you hung out with Diana because she was all over the place. She was just damaged, so damaged and mad. And she said, you know, I remember saying I really liked her. It was just... <laughs> Which personality of the day? And, you know, I think about that and, you know, and I, there were some times when the late Boris would come, you know, because I would never meet him out. I, I just, I thought it just, I never liked the idea. I wouldn't jump in any car at any event. I would never wait around back at an event. Like, hell no. When, he, when I'd be at an event that he was at, I would go to the farthest lengths of the room, sometimes even outside you know, and listen to everybody giggle and I'd hear his speech and all, you know, he'd lift the room so much, but then he'd always make a beeline for me. I mean, no matter how like subtle I tried to be. Um, so I never were like the, the guy I saw in front of everybody else, you know, that wanted me to come meet him. I made him come to me because I had no interest at all in that kind of show pony buffoonery. Um, I saw through the act I really liked the person I knew, but that person just was very fragile in some ways. And in order to get the real authentic person, I had to, you know, I'm like, look, you choose to see me, you come to see me. And when you come to see me, you knock off that attitude. I don't want any of that. Um, so there'll be a few times where I'm like, right, go outside, shake yourself, come back in when you're ready to be a real human again, <laughs> you know, be a, be a, a person, you know, 
uh, legitimate, sincere, and authentic because I wasn't, in, I used to tell him there was nothing interesting about a married politician. They're grotesque. Uh, and of course he'd laugh and have a giggle and he'd say, well, you know, I'm, I'm so much more. And I'd say, prove it. <laughs> a lot of talk there. And so, you know, I know people really, um, you know, do miss that old man that we knew, that, that man that got himself into office, that rose the ranks, that started as a journalist, that did X, Y, Z. Um, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me that someone would have said, why don't you write something really edgy, really cutting throat, you know, really make a name for yourself, carve yourself out as a budding, aspiring politician and journalist. How about you write something super edgy like depopulation and addressing it, especially when you have the hands of all the establishment endorsing and, you know, having their parties where they, I mean, you know, Vicky, I've told you this before, where like, I've been at parties where they turn to you and they're like, we really all should be drinking the blood of a young man. And you're like, what, what did you just say? And then one guy at a dinner was like, oh, there's nothing more than the thrill. This is the same people that, um, they invited me to a hunting party in the Cotswolds. And they said something like, oh, there's nothing like the thrill of hunting a man. And I was like, looked at him and I was like, you're not talking about the war, are you? You know, and now of course, again, I didn't know very much about any of that. I just, you know, you just know that in these kind of events and circles where you've got uh, this kind of old, 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 you know, establishment thinking. And when I say old, you know, some of those people in there are 23 years old. They're just like little replicas of future. And I, I, I feel like I sent you a screenshot of one of them, Vicky, the other day, because I'm like, remember how I keep talking about that, that groupy group um, within the party, the ones that like live for the establishment endorsement, those guys are being primed from their 20s to enter this space. And so you're at these parties where they just kind of think that they are above everyone else. Um, so I could see, I can see the late Boris definitely being caught into that and being a part of that. Um, but you know, someone that thought deeply, cared deeply, was very emotional. I don't believe someone like that had the gumption or the character or the, the thick skin, you know, that kind of um, makeup to enter a position and you know, like, like prime minister or leader of a party or leader of a nation, you know, whatever, want to be globalist, you know, I don't think he would have been able to stand up to that. I mean, could any of us? I don't know. I, I mean, it's pretty daunting. Now, of course, it makes, you know, now from this, where we sit all, where all of us sit and we say, well, why wouldn't you just walk out? But what if you are blackmailed? What if you are complicit and you didn't even know you were doing devil's work, but then you find out, you know, you might've been a little bit dodgy, but it was in the interest of national security. And then you find out you just committed treason. I mean, these are the questions I need to know with you guys. So I, I try to connect the dots as I know from various sources. I don't want to make anything up or fill in the gaps to give you something that I, you know, I can speculate and I'm offering my speculation here with all of you, but I don't want to say anything that makes me sound like I'm trying to make up anything on, you know, just to sound cool. That's not exactly at all, or that's not at all what I'm doing. Um, you know, we, I had a lot of inundated questions when this happened and I told Vicki, I think the best thing to do would be to just sit down and talk to you. So I'm just opening up with some of this stuff um, that it's been kind of sent to me over the last few weeks and where people keep wanting me to like tell them everything. And I'm like, look, if I had the book, 
if I, there was a written narrative with all a linear line of a you know sequence of events, then sure, it'd be a lot easier. Um, but I think it's interesting, guys, because you know there the people keep going back to this: the better the devil you know, right? Well, let's talk about that because what if the same devil you know was replaced by somebody else? Is it even the same devil, right? And you know we keep thinking, oh gosh, the person behind him is going to be so much worse. Well. I hate that argument too, because it, it, it has already been worse, okay? We are committing crimes against humanity as we speak. What do we need, an earthquake, you know, total destruction? Sure, the grid hasn't come down. Sure, we can still access our banks, kind, you know, like, or so we think, you know, sure we, I mean, as in, we think we have a functioning, um, you know, system, but for how long until this house of cards falls? So the better with the devil we know, well, then, you know, look at all that we've done to stop this devil, right? Their agenda was to lock us down harder, keep the masks on, not remove the, I will never forget our December energy as a group. You remember Vicky? I mean, we were getting so riled up. We met in a pub, didn't we? Or a wine bar in, um, in Nailsworth. the country. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Out in Nailsworth. Like we, <laughs> and Funny enough, all the internet comms went down that day and like no one had <laughs> sell. It was so peculiar to say the least. Um, you know, but we were ready to write a mandate and go door to door, handing out flyers to tell people, you know, like we're done. And what do they do? They remove those. So when people keep saying the better the devil we know, how about we just focus on getting rid of all the devils? Like fuck all of them, get rid of these demons, you know? And, and they aren't the people we know. Um, I, I get really uh, frustrated by this because, you know, I'm still angry about, very upset about what was, what happened, transpired in the media and this, you know, of somebody in this tainted, like it's, like I had such a, a um, you know, amazing memory. It really, um, I had nothing to be, you know, uh, um, embarrassed by per se, you know, all this narrative that they created about me being the third wheel. I think it's just a distraction. And I said this on the other, the other day at the Hearts of Oak, you know, they, they used me to open an IOPC investigation into this man. But guys, I'm telling you, and Vicki, you can attest a bit to this because I was like, what is this? This is another email. Like, it was almost like they were investigating me kind of via the internet or via the media headlines, but none of it made sense because there was nothing there. And so it was like, what is really going on? What is, what is this really about? You know, you're sending me GLA. I have to like talk to all these GLA people and, you know, I have to, you know, um, uh, basically acquiesce to this IOPC investigation. And I couldn't help, guys, the entire time of thinking, okay, something else is going on with this IOP. I mean, why are they sending me 17 emails about redacted messages? Like, I don't care. There's nothing in there to hide. You know, make up your fake headlines all day long. I, why are you still... And I, I just now really have started to kind of piece it together where I think they needed that distraction, that introduction, or that in excuse to start an investigation of such high caliber. And they used me to do that and they continue to use me as the third wheel like i'm some scorned bimbo that was like hanging around in the rafters no one has ever told the story of how i met my husband and chose to 
leave this man and and you know the the kind of you know the severance of how awful it was to hurt somebody that you you know you you know you cared about but know that ultimately he was never going to be what you needed and you know he was really angry when i left and very upset and i don't really want to talk about all of that cuz i just feel like whatever but the media was so obsessed with introducing me as a woman that was scorned and a pole dancer and all this they didn't even tell you that like i i got married i moved on and third wheel how about somebody ask what the hell zack goldsmith is to carry and the third wheel there and has anybody you know really looked into their that three way relationship um because there's all kinds of questions there in fact i have heard all you know and it's it's really it makes me you know just angry that they keep using the guise of me when really nothing about that relationship and let me let me say this again nothing about that relationship was truthful honest or real everything was a show it was manufactured from day 1 and it was put together it, this was not just by chance um and this is why it frustrates me so much to this day because out of all the women in his life they made such a thing um with me when there's so many more skeletons and things to question about with this woman and i just feel like because it hasn't come out yet it will eventually and how you know this is the teflon man the man that nothing bad happens to and i feel like karma is a way of coming back and ultimately <laughs> catching up here in the worst imaginable way and this is why i don't think they're going to get rid of him they're going to keep him around until they're done and then they're going to drag him out and expose him and if he's hung in the streets or you know literally figuratively whatever but i do not think and i'll stay by this you know there's something with the foreign secretary thing and there's something with that headline you know Liz Truss now all of a sudden becoming the establishment's favorite well gee wonder why former for or you know she's the for the the foreign secretary we saw that headline back in December 2021 if there's a plan to put her in at some point and keep him move him around if if nothing else just to placate the party for a bit placate the nation you know he lost control people were fighting back you know you had investigations lighting fires under the met police and pushing investigations toward this um you know these vaccine injuries and that was you know that's still happening um and i don't think that that was coincidence that when i went on television within the within a week afterwards they shut down the investigation so i guess that's uh that's what i i i uh, wanted to say i mean i i hope i'm not oversharing what do you think vicky am i speaking no um have you um, seen, have you that, seen um, that um over 2000 conservative, conservative membership, membership persons, persons have written, written to, demand to demand that he's, that he's on the final, final ballot. ballot i mean is that precedented i just feel like they're going to do whatever they can to pull out whatever stops they can um because again this is not a man and i know this sounds insane but i don't believe this man is there out of his own free will 
you know, I, I don't know enough about the occult practice of cloning or ritualing or, you know, MK Ultra to know if the real soul survives, but the person they have in office is a figment of the man that was. And they're using this characterization of the lovable Boris. I don't know, but they're not gonna let him go lightly. They just won't, guys. And, you know, I, I just think that there's there will be a, a collapsing point, even though people don't want to see it and they don't understand it. Hell, I won't pretend to understand what it looks like when a government collapses, especially globally. But if we're hearing in New York, you know, and New York is the most targeted, the East Coast really is the most targeted in the nation. And there seems to be more and more kind of bits going out about, you know, potential emergencies, power grid shutdowns or attacks on the east coast <clears throat> not to mention the worldwide tsunamis right mm. so are they going to keep him in and then have him back on the ballot just as war breaks out or a national collapse you know catastrophe happens or you know wall street and the city break i mean who knows how it's going to be but um, I guess I just you know I know I said look he's a placeholder and I don't believe he's going to go anywhere anytime soon and I feel like I just I still think that way after, you know, these last three weeks. Do you have anything you want to talk about or add or? Put your hands up, guys, if you wish to speak. Uh, you know, keep in mind, these are not secure channels, right? So I'm sharing as much as I can share and feel comfortable with. I probably have already overspoken here. Um, but, you know, I've, I, I also don't want to, you know, Hi, may, let anybody think I'm hiding anything or trying to withhold. I mean, this was something I wanted to do together as a group. Um, so if any of you wanted to add something or share your thoughts, now is the time. I mean, do you all think that it's going to be a Rishi Sunak versus Liz Trous? Are you all waiting for the replacement? I mean, let's look again at Biden, you guys. I mean, look at the videos that just came out of the same man within the day two different people one of the videos the guy doesn't even freaking blink <laughs> for 30 seconds i didn't know joe biden i was in the uk for most of the time that he was in office with obama so i didn't really have an opinion of him either way but obviously now i do and you know if for the same reasons i doubt that this person called boris johnson is not who he's you know the real original I would say Biden's the same and there's going to be, you know, what was the, those pictures today of, with, um, I think Alan posted them of, uh, the Marshall with Nancy Pelosi. I mean, these people, there's only so much the, they can get away with before there will be a judgment day and there will be enough people asking questions. They can't hide it anymore. The reason why this is taken so painfully slow is because of how well it's been hidden. And it actually hasn't been hidden at all. It's been operating right in front of everybody in plain sight. So this is why when everybody gets, you know, really upset, like I don't see it, nothing's happening. Um, you know, we'll never, it's just gonna be replaced by one puppet by the next. You undersell our power as the people. There's many of us, and there's way more of us now than there was a year ago. Right. So however long this takes getting everybody on the same page, you know, wearing down um, those that just, you know, don't want to keep 
they, they, they there's going to be those of us that stand up regardless. Jane, were you speaking? Sorry. Um, no, I just, no, I just, I just wanted to say, say my thoughts on, on, on Boris. Boris. It's not, it's the, not the that I know. That I know. No, definitely. I think you've only got to look to see it's not him. It's not. And it's it's like it took me a while to kind of accept that. But I don't you know, then everybody's thinking, well, wh well, what happened to him? Where did he go? What do you you know, what are you not telling uh, us? You know, to me, it gets sticky. He when he went, he went into, into hospital, with supposedly COVID, when he came out, he wasn't the same man. And people were saying, oh, but he's been ill. He's lost weight. He doesn't. That's why he doesn't look the same. But no, it just wasn't him. I don't believe it is. Well, I think that is very true. Um, but one of the things that I was told was it, there was a process, a ritual or whatever, when you become world leader. And that's where I think, I don't know if that's where they MK ultra you or they kind of put you into this you know, you will do as they say and nothing else kind of trance. Yep, um, but yep. I think that happened definitely before the, uh, before he went into COVID. And then yep, when yep. they went in for the hospital, then that was probably a replacement of the entire person. Yep. Yep. When, um, when, when I said, when I said they, they came, they came, and I, I just, I just, oh, that, that, am I going, am I going, that? Because, because it, it, it just, just was it, it wasn't him and I didn't say anything for a long time and when I sort of said to family and friends they looked at me like I'd lost the plot yeah I understand that totally um, um and as for who he's television. I've, I've read some awful things about her hey that might be yeah true, yeah, true. I just thought I, just I would thought add, I would on, add the on the United States, United States side, side that, that rather recently, recently Congressman, Congressman Matt Goetz um, submitted the Hunter Biden audio tapes into congressional record. Um, and that is making its way out rather rapidly. And um, living in the States, I think you would have to be deaf, dumb and blind to think that Joe Biden is a real person um, who's actually running the United States of America. So um, the wake up happens here anyway, seems to be happening at a rap, rather rapid pace. Like right now going into August, it appears that everything's coming out. Um, also appears that Biden's probably be going to be gone, um, that uh, Kamala Harris might temporarily assume that role, um, but that's kind of what's going on here in the States right now. Uh, that was huge that that uh, Hunter Biden um, audio tape was actually submitted to um, congressional, the congressional records. Yeah, thank you, Melinda. I, I can definitely see the, you know, why this, like I said, I, the, how this is, you know, coordinated. Um, I think the U.S. would be the last to fall, but we are the ones kind of 
you know, waking up and pushing this forward. Do you think that um, Kamala will actually uh, precede him as president and then have an economic collapse or have that or have the idea of her coming in with him being removed as a trigger point? Uh, not, not so, so sure, sure about, about that. that. I've, I've actually, actually seen, seen a lot of speculation, speculation that, that Kamala is only being put, put in there in a temporary, temporary role, role to have somebody step into her actual shoes. Now, again, like you, I don't speak to anything that I don't know to be truth. That's why I did call it speculation that there's actually somebody coming up behind her. And if there wasn't this pushback, if there wasn't the millions of us awake from all corners of the planet, you know, calling bullshit out from these governments. Sure, you could argue that they've they've won. The you know, we people, the globalists, are taking over. But you know, when I hear their plans now, it kind of makes me laugh because I can just you know the digital like for example the biometric digital ID. This is just something that I think will never take off. And I it's 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 been around for a while. The technology has existed, but it's always the people that have refused. So the people now more than ever are going to refuse any kind of, you know, nonsense. And, um, you know, the reason why I felt like such an obligation when, you know, all this was coming out was seeing someone that I actually knew be replaced in front of my eyes, even on camera. And you're thinking that is, that's not the guy that, you know, that I knew at all. Um, so then how many other of these government officials have been replaced? And Melinda, I, you know, I'm sure you, as you can attest, I mean, Vicky and I watched the election, um, you know, in real time and couldn't believe the way that this was manipulated and so angry through the inauguration. And then the fact that it was just kind of a thing that died out and then people just assumed Joe Biden won. And we're sitting there going, ah, no, fraud is fraud. This has to end. So how long are we going to let these guys get away with it? I mean, bring on the hunter everything. Let's get these people out already. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's and painfully that's evident in the area I live. I'm in very rural Ohio where there are, I joke with people, we have more cows per capita than we do people. And I have farms on either side of me. And I know what the buzz is. Everybody pretty much knows that these, you know, farmers are being enticed with payouts that are ridiculous just to give up their farms. And I also live in that same area is extremely, there was a Trump parade that went on for miles in front of my rurally located house <laughs> on sitting on 10 acres. There, it went miles long. So it's very apparent in the area that I live in that, um, yeah, that it, it's just a joke. It's not real. Um, people know that. Um, the farmers are witnessing things firsthand that they've never seen in their entire lives. And these farms have been, are multi-generational. Um, so we live in an area where, you know, the farmers are not going to sell out no matter what the price. Um, we actually have had ridiculous offers on land just to buy some of our land, which we have refused. So, um, and that's kind of, it's, it's, you know, the people out here are, you know, they're about the land and they're not going to sell out. They're not going to give in because they don't worship the love of money. So, um, yeah, so it's interesting for sure.
Yeah, we've had yeah, the same here in the UK, UK where um, um, the government have brought out the offer of £100,000 to farmers if they retire early. I don't know about the land grabs as such, but that's actually on government website. That gets you like one year here in the US. <laughs> that is, they'd have to pay a lot more. And Melinda, do you know, um, are they just paying? So I ask the lady that does the orchard, I'm down in Florida. She's in the middle of like, I just, I didn't want to buy from any big box, you know, retailer kind of, I, I hate Lowe's and Depot. So I found this brilliant woman who's got, you know, uh, she's on 2000 acre property and she's, uh, she's got, or I mean, so much land and you know, multi-generational farmer. And she's one of the three licensed to sell oranges out of the state. Cause you know, Florida's weird about its oranges. <laughs> Um, and she was saying that they're getting offers down here. And I said, you know, are these like GMO farmers, you know, that are getting the paid out, you know, just to basically stop producing their toxic uh, produce? Uh, she said, yes. She goes, they are, you know, a few of the farmers I know that are, they do use the seed, you know, are being uh, asked to burn their crops. And she goes, but that's, that's not just what they're doing. They're also offering the organic farmers to buy their land as well. Um, have you heard this or seen this? I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it in my, in my area, area, but I will but I tell, tell you, you that, that all, the all the farms around us, around us for the most, the most part, are, are hooked into, into the, the GMO, GMO seeds, glyphosate sprays. Sure. Um, our, um, 10 our 10 acres, acres have, have, when we, when bought, we it bought it about four, four years, years ago, ago, we have we been have totally free of any spray, GMO, anything. So the soil is slowly healing itself, um, but we are surrounded right now by farms for the most part that have bought into the GMO program. And I am trying to wake up those people by showing them pictures of a GMO-fed rat with tumors the size of their heads sticking out of their heads. But it's very hard. And there are some programs out there in the United States, at least, where they're taking a group of farmers. I think they started with like 10 or 12. And they said, we're basically going to financially carry you through for the first three years and get you to the point where you're profitable. And then once you're on your feet and profitable going organic, we will ask you to give to back, back to the same, the same program, program to start, start another, another farmer, farmer going. going. So, so there, is, there is, and I can't, I remember, can't the remember the name, the name of this, of this um, but it is but an, it organization an organization that started, that started off grassroots, grassroots with about, about a dozen farms that were willing to make that commitment. That's really cool. Yeah, and I can't yeah, remember I can't the name, remember of, the name it. of it. But, it, but it, it's, it's out there because I keep telling farmers, farmers around me, around me look, look into, into it, get it, on, get you, on know, you know, spend the same spend amount, the same amount you're, you're looking, watching, watching the, the TV, the, the propaganda box, box and get and on get your on computer, computer and dig. And dig. Yeah. Um, Vicky's mom actually posted, my grandfather used to say that once in your life, you need a doctor, a lawyer and policeman and a preacher, but every day, three times a day, you need a farmer. And I keep thinking about this quote because, you know, what we never needed was a bunch of globalist hypocrites and puppet politicians. 
and all this kind of, you know, mission to take over with an agenda humanity. And some of the stuff that I'm seeing come out of like where they're pushing, you know, everybody, I think these are just fear mongering headlines because ultimately there's going to be a point and it's that tipping point that I mentioned on this channel quite a bit for the last year. When we reach that tipping point, that's where humanity finally stands up and says no. And as hard as it is to see it right now, it is happening. It is. You know, and I posted a video today on Twitter. I'll post it in the channel if everybody needs. But I mean, this is this is the Dutch farmers. This is Albania. This is, you know, we're seeing Italy. Everybody is having their own kickback and their kickback will grow, especially um, since, you know, up until now, we've had quite extremist polarization of divisive, like, you know, people can can play the red, the right wing versus the left wing. They can also play the bigotry or the racist card or BL. I mean, they can always decide that I'm not neither one of these extremes, but because now we're getting to the basics and we're hitting home here, you know, most, some people just don't care about the economy, right? They don't care about politics. They don't care. I'll take a jab. No problem. We'll get in line. You know, let's just all move on with our little bubble lives. But when you start removing or threatening people's ability to eat what they want or put them just on that basic level, um, you know, I think we're going to really hit tipping point faster, uh, you know, than what we've seen so far. Just like I'd say in the last six months, we've seen a massive pushback um, and that pushback really has had results. It's not because Boris is a freaking white hat or because, you know, they're better the devil, you know, or, you know, because these guys actually care. No, that none of that is true. Those that are building back better and repeating the Davos script are like literally dead men. I mean, honestly, and women, they are, they are those that have exposed themselves for having sold their soul and their allegiance to a very demonic entity that has like zero empathy or interest in, in humanity and only about the few, all right? Protecting the few. And it is a real thing, what I am speaking about, the age of contempt in this kind of elitist group. They see there is two sets of rules. There's the set of rules that function for those that live among, you know, the, the higher, and then there's everybody else. And I, I just want to take a moment also to point out to you guys, the libel laws in the UK follow those rules. It is the rules of the pretentious and the bullying elite that get to use their weaponry and buying out the courts to then, you know, funnel and, and fearmonger and threaten um, everybody else. And this is what they've used tactic over tactic. This is what Savile did straight out of the textbook, everybody, everybody. And of course, those that are targeted within this system have usually in, in normal times have had to acquiesce because their job depends on it, their income, their livelihood, you know, their respectability, you know, so they have to adhere inside this system. I struggle with that. You all know that I don't comply full stop. I don't, I'm not in the system full stop. So what am I worried about? Um, that system is collapsing the banks, the courts, the libel laws, the days of protecting those few bad people um, by taking out measures against the people, that, that's, that's going to end. And it ends because all of us continue to say it out loud. We do not hide in a corner. 
and admit defeat, right? There's not another weef guy in there. Why are we allowing that to come out? You know, just another puppet will replace him. It's over. That is the worst sentiment. And I absolutely hate anytime I see it on the channel, it, it boils my blood. And I'm thinking, stop speaking so stupid because this, this is the kind of rhetoric that keeps us trapped within the chains. You don't think you're po you, the, there's power in that tongue? There's conviction in that tongue. And so if you're speaking out loud, just another weef puppet, well, then you might as well bend over to Rushi Sunak or Liz Trouse or, you know, Joel um, Biden and Kamala and all this kind of stuff. I mean, every one of these leaders is complicit in crimes against humanity, all of them. And they've all had their day of, of playing the, the young leaders, right? You know, Klaus's token boys or girls. And we're seeing all of them now take the center stage to expose them because that's what it took for all of humanity to finally wake the F up and realize it's been going on right in front of our faces. So what are we going to do to stop it? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um... I um, am of the same mind that I tell people, listen, there's only two sides. There's no sitting the fence in this battle. And if you're not on the side that's willing to speak out and speak up for your convictions, then by default, you're part of, you're the enemy. So you can't, there's no sitting this one out if, you know, you have to take a side. So, and if it's not on the side of the, the good, then you're by default one of them. So, and I agree with you also about, um, you know, um, I, I call it hitting a critical mass. So the more of us that use our voices and don't shy away, I was the same as you, no mask. <laughs> um, and I got, yeah, the strangest things thrown at me. And, um, you know, I sat down one night and said, how am I going to deal? Like, I need to come up with a comeback line, you know, that, that, that's not like, um, it's not more divisive because after all that's what the, that's what the whole you know premise is behind this is about division and um it's so funny because once i came up with a couple of comebacks i had some really odd you know it, it actually put the ball in their court and they had to get introspective about what they truly believed in i had so many people that hid behind um religion and when i started saying well if you claim to be a Christian, then are you aware what the Bible says about this? And all of a sudden it was the deer caught in headlights look. And, um, you know, and I don't profess to be religious. I profess to be spiritual. So, um, but again, uh, I think it's going to take, you know, hitting that point of what I call um, critical mass. And, you know, it's kind of like the roller coaster going up the hill and, you know, as the cart's going tick tock, tick tock up the track, we're we're nearing that top. I I agree with you. I think um, here in the states, um, you know, I have seen some TikToks already of a Walmart. I think it was down in the south somewhere, maybe Mississippi or Louisiana, where they had been in a Walmart store late at night, and all of the food and foodstuffs were being put on pallets and wrapped with shrink wrap and told that they were not allowed to buy any of it, that it was all bad. And so it is coming for sure. It's coming. It's not to that point yet where I'm at, but um, yeah, Ohio's just kind of different. And another interesting note with the state of Ohio, um, 
I got the standard form letter for my daughter who's getting ready to go into 12th grade, reminding me that she has to have her second dose of meningococcal vaccine. It was the standard form letter that comes from schools, and I haven't vaccinated my kids since I woke up, which is about six years ago. And so um, in this letter, there was some fine print, and I'm now of the mind where I don't read the big print, I just read the small print, because that's usually, you know, the devil is in the details. And so there were some things that it was referring to legislation for the state of Ohio. I went to the website. I found the one that answered that question, but I couldn't find the second one. It said something about C director's remarks. And so I called the state of Ohio and the gal said, well, I'll have to have the nurse call you back. So the nurse called me back a um, short time later. And in the beginning of the conversation, she kind of giggled. And I said, please don't tell me that I'm the only parent in the state of Ohio that has called you, that's bothered to read the fine print and asked you what, where to find the answer to the question that you're alluding to some code that's in the legislation. And she said, sadly, you are. And then she went on to tell me, she went on to kind of blow the whistle on the state of Ohio. We started talking about the uh, former director of health. And she said, oh, she's not only complicit with the governor. She said, you need to dig deeper. She said she had close ties with Obama. So when you got your own state employees who are kind of publicly out there telling other people, dig deeper, dig deeper, because there's a bigger player. Um, to me, that's like the writing on the wall when we're at that point. Yeah, we're, like I said, I think we're uh, definitely getting toward that critical mass, just like you, I think you call it something different, but yeah, it's the same, same exact concept. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Um, a tipping point has been my phrase, but yeah, we, it is the same. And, I, and it gets frustrating for everyone that kind of just feels like we're in this inevitable doom, um, because I think it's, it's not a doom. It's not, yes, there's going to be some horrible things that happen along the way, um, but everything comes down to free will. And I've been learning about the importance of free will um, and just fascinated with how this brainwashing around us, especially watching someone um, like Jane, thank you so much for, you know, adding your thoughts there. But, you know, me with like all these strangers in the UK that have now kind of joined my channel and you know been part of this community, you know, watching this man going, where the hell did he go? What happened? Um, and then, you know, what what's happening in the nation where you if if we're looking at food shortages, why the hell are things burning? You know, why aren't why aren't we creating a national security around these precious entities of processing food and why the hell are they being paid to destroy their crops or retire early? Um, so I'm, I'm really, this is what makes me think there's just, there's no coincidence here. This is what we are forcing this hand to play them to play it too, not too soon. It couldn't have happened soon enough, but really get people to wake up. Um, I've said this before, but I, I think what happened with Canada and the truckers, um, as far as exposing their hand of targeting specific bank accounts, I think that was a play too far. And that was a real, you know, destructive uh, on their part, you know, and really kind of a big wake up call for people here who think their money is actually safe in banks. 
um, or that it, it's FDI insured, so therefore it'll be there, or that they at any point can't lose access to their money because it's been in a bank where they've had access to it. And instead, they want to get scared and fearful of a new blockchain system that's supposed to surveil their payments. Um, one of the things I always, you know, mention with that China credit score is that we're in a Chinese credit score. Okay. So they dressed it up a bit different They make it look a little more appealing They make you look like you have the illusion of choice is one of the biggest, you know, things with America. We, we, we give you so many choices, right? You know, 75 different flavors of decaffeinated coffee. You Brits look at us like, what, <laughs> why, why do you have all these flavors of coffee? But there's a, you know, this kind of momentous, overwhelming, uh, a, a, you know, illusion here in America that we are the best at everything. We can manufacture and build and produce and things are cheaper and we can have all these kind of choices. So we're free and we worked hard to like, you know, earn our independence. And yet here we are still you know, learning about how our two nations, the UK and the US, are still very much connected. And then when you look at the financial circuitry of, of the current uh, framework of this Ponzi scheme central banking system we exist in, you know, it really goes between um, DC, Vatican's city of London, and then you've got these kind of safe havens, you know, this Luxembourg tax, you know, Switzerland, like all these kind of Brussels, like these little entities, these quiet little places or, you know, offshore Cayman Islands. And, and you realize this is how they function. They can kind of, you know, wield their way around what the normal people have to exist in because God forbid you're a trucker in Canada standing up for your rights. That means you have to lose all your, you know, access to your payments. Um, so it is, it is interesting. What what exactly makes everybody wake up? I mean, this is the, you know, we're, as we're watching this unfold, everybody comes into it at their own time. And I feel like because of this escalation, I mean, gosh, arrest Hunter Biden already. The guy is really sick. The poor kid was traumatized as a child and became an even more awful adult. Like, get him out. Um, and, you know, get rid of all these leaders and, and just drain the whole swamp. <laughs> I've noticed here um, locally, there's, there, you know, because we're coming into elections, all the signs popping up. Are you seeing those, Melinda? Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I'm sure, sure what you're, what you're referring, referring to exactly. exactly. Midterms elections. Um, no, I, I'm not paying I'm not so paying much so attention, attention to, to that. that. Um, I, I do a lot of research. research. I have I my have nose my down a lot of holes, holes. um, you know, you along know, the lines of MK Ultra. Ultra. Another, Another one recently one came, came up, up on my, my or got my got attention. My attention called Operation, called Operation Gateway. Gateway. And, and I think that the, the more the people become aware of these special, special programs, programs that were that classified and that are now all of a sudden becoming declassified, declassified the more that the more people, that people have, access have access to this and understanding that, that we take our take own our power back, but in order to do that, we have to understand the PSYOP that we're living under. So, so uh, I, I, yeah, I'm yeah, not I'm sure not about sure the mid-time so, so much, other, other than, than it, it is funny, funny that, that about two weeks, two weeks ago, ago, we got, we got the whole paper, paper ballot thing in the, in the mail, mail, and I kind of had, had to laugh and, and 
to myself. And, you know, I'm looking at the number going, I'm going to call the number on here because it was a nonprofit. And we all know what a lot of the nonprofits are and who they're, who pays for them. And so I was going to kind of give them a call and kind of put fire under the rear end. I, I actually think we, we, there's a good chance we may not even see those elections. Um, and if they do, you know, whether it's some kind of, uh, you know, climate change thing or, you know, monkey pox, whatever they do, they're going to lock us down to either keep us from voting. Then there'll be a push for mail-in ballots. Don't worry. And I think if the 2020 election didn't expose the election fraud, then perhaps the midterms will be what it takes. I mean, I, I just can't see us continuing this way. The civil unrest here is percolating. And, you know, we have a mixed audience. We're primarily UK based, but I love that you're here from the US because we do have um, quite a few US people as well. And, you know, I know that I have a lot of friends in the UK that are demanding, you know, come on US, like, let's go, you know, like let's, and uh, I think we're the biggest. So we're gonna be the last, lastest, the loudest uh, and the last to fall. And, you know, what happens in the interim between Macron um, Jacinda and her, like, oh gosh, is she just asking to go to hell? I mean, these abortion laws that New Zealand, wow, what an evil woman, man thing in office. I mean, Trudeau also horrible leader. I mean, Canada, I mean, we think of sending you guys love. So at what point do these guys, you know, leave office? Maybe all at once, maybe there's a roundup. Maybe we're still going to see that or one by one, uh, they'll stage it out. The UK though was very, this, even my US friends are like, oh, I see Boris is gone. I'm like, no, you're not paying enough attention. I said, is he? Is he? Cause he's not going, I, I just, he won't go. And when he does go, so does everybody else. Cause remember, they're all in on it. They all took the oath. They all repeat the script. They're all doing the crimes against humanity. That's not conspiracy. That's, that's like more or less factual at this point. I mean, there's no way you have to be living six feet under if you can't see the contrived, you know, chorus being sung by these globalist puppets. Uh, and their ancestral nature, the kind of push, the evil, you know, undertones of these mass depriving of oxygen and this subservient, you know, fear-mongering push to make everybody, co you know, um, acquiesce and 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 go by what they want. I mean, I can see where friends in the UK get frustrated because they're feeling like there's, um, you know, it, it, there's no hope. But actually, I'll tell you, the US loves watching what happens in the UK because things can happen faster. And, uh, you know, what, what's been going on with that investigation, the crimes with the re police reporting with the UK, we haven't been able to do that here yet. We do have lawsuits being filed in rather states, in, in various states. Uh, Dr. David Martin has filed various, you know, um, child, uh, children's defense with um, Robert Kennedy Jr. You've got Highwire, you know, with ICANN. And so everybody's doing their bit, but we have a separation of state and power here that's, you know, you know spread amongst the 50 states. The UK, and I've lived this personally, guys, legislation can pass much get things through because of the centralization you know everything kind of under the london umbrella right there 
so, so there is headway. And I, I believe fervently that what was done in the UK, the pushback with the police, specifically the Met, despite them shutting down that police investigation, something happened there and it's continuing to happen. Um, and, and there is this kind of resistance that's growing. Um, and, you know, just living abroad over there for so long and then coming back here, you know, I just love the way the, you know, the Brits kind of create the formalities and the due diligence and, you know, we'll sit there and, um, you know, kind of peck <laughs> um, and, and keep going with their kind of in love of the, the data and the facts and the links. Um, you know, and that's something that I always laugh at because I'm like, you know, everybody that wants a link for everything to be true. Um, when I think, look, we just got to go with a gut instinct sometimes, but it's actually the brilliance and, you know, this this kind of um, growing movement that we've seen that's happened in London with the protests last summer. And this, you know, we, we got these beautiful visuals right there in the center uh, and with London where we just didn't, we couldn't get that in the US. I mean, look, we did it once at the Capitol and they turned it into a freaking terrorist attack. It was absolutely appalling um, what happened January 6th. So we don't see, and then now what they do is they, they, they basically pay state actors, deep state actors for all these distractions with shootings and this kind of uh, controlling their narrative to push, you know, legislation through and the various states. It's a completely different um, at attack. But, you know, I'm watching both of them and both sides of the pond seem to be orchestrating the same, you know, kind of rituals. I mean, just a deception upon a deception to their people. We've got Nick that's joined. I think he wants to maybe ask a question. Okay. Uh, uh, Melinda, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I was uh, mindful that about three to six months ago, there was some information on Telegram about uh, an education board somewhere in America that were forcing children to get masks and stuff. And one of the parents, I think it was, um, obviously was going against this in a big way. And that individual did a whole bunch of research and found that a number of the people on the board, but particularly, I think it was uh, an education superintendent that's like in charge of a bunch of schools in that region, was a bonded post. And so what they did was in doing their research, they looked at all of the laws in America where there was um, transgression of the law by forcing children to wear masks, like harm to children. And that individual then went into one of the education board meetings and warned the board that if they continued down this path of masking the children, that there would be uh, consequences. Uh, they continued with their policies. That individual went to a court and proved in a court of law within a real quick period of time, like a week or two, that um, what was being proposed by these policies was harming children. And as a consequence, they kind of ruled in favor of the parent. With that in mind, that parent then went back to um, the school board and found out that the, the superintendent of education was a bonded post to the tune of like a million dollars. And what happened was that I think the excess was $40,000. And that person put, I think it was a lion or something L-I-E-N, like a lion, <clears throat> on the superintendent and said, I've proved in the court of law that your policies are harming the kids. As of now, I'm going to claim on your bond. 
And so they put a claim on the individual's bond. Now, that individual, together with our, the school board, didn't realise they were bonded posts. They ran for cover. They all disappeared. They couldn't be found. Tried to move house, whatever. But they were found and they were served with paperwork. And then it all went really quiet. So going back to the stuff that you were talking about earlier, it'd be interesting to find out whether the governor and the head of the, the health in your area is a bonded post and finding out whether there's something that can be done along the similar lines. In other words, you're holding them to account and holding them to account financially. Yeah, I am aware of what you're referring to about those being bonded positions. Um, there's a group out of Tennessee, uh, mostly mothers, and they were wondering why in the heck all of us parents were going to these meetings and the people that sat on the boards of education, superintendents would just look with deaf ears, wouldn't do anything and wouldn't take action. And so I kept digging, found out about this group in Tennessee and it happens that they are tied to what is called ESSER funds here in the United States, which were handed down or or drawn up by the Biden administration where they are rewarding school districts to follow through with this whole masking policy. So what's funny is in my multiple calls to one of my children's schools, I always got the uh, principal, not the superintendent. Well, then when I found out what was going on with the schools taking money in order to mask, all of a sudden the superintendent wanted to talk to me. Um, and I am probably going to take action if I see the whole masking policy start up again here with school because I do anticipate that to happen. The same whistleblower in Ohio, the nurse, told me it's common. She warned me. She said it's common again. And so, um, but I recently lost my mom July 11th and she was in hospice for like the last nine months. So I've kind of been limited in the extra time I have uh on my hands with two kids to try to, you know, tackle that too. It's, I can tackle it, but it's just takes time, paperwork, phone calls. And a lot of times you actually have to go because they won't return your phone calls. But yeah, I am aware of the bonding policy though. And you are correct. That story is very true and very accurate. Hey, one other thing I might add just in general about this whole conversation is that I think in order to get to this point of what, um, she, Jennifer calls the tipping point, you know, it's, uh, it's a very strong feeling of mine that we all need to raise our vibrations because there have been some wonderful, um, wonderful doctors talking to this. Judy Mikovits being one who used to work under Anthony Fauci. She knows all of his skeletons in his closet and then some. And I've heard her say it. Um, she's, P, she's a Ph.D., virologist, uh, also worked for the Institutes of Cancer for, I think it was 20, it might've been 10 years. Um, but anyways, she actually said at the end of one of her conversations, um, you know, and Einstein even said it, everything is vibration and we can't see it, but we can feel it. And she even said, they want us in fear and fear is one of the lowest vibratory states that exists. And as long as they keep us in a low vibratory state, the longer it's going to take for us to override all of this. And so the one main point, you know, that I've been trying to hammer home to everybody that I know is that you can't 
um, you can't stay in these low states of fear, divisiveness, bitterness, you know, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this to our kids? Instead, you need to resonate in those higher vibrations of joy and happiness. And once we raise that, because we are just a micro, you know, we're just part of the microcosm is part of the macrocosm. And so the more that each one of us individually raises our own vibratory state, it contributes to the overall macrocosm, that vibration being raised as well. And so that's my own, my own personal two senses. We need to teach people to walk out of the fear. And that's funny because that's actually one of the big takeaways I have with people who kind of hide behind their face and, you know, and when they would accuse me because I didn't have a mask on and I wasn't masking and they'd say stuff and I'd say, so are you a Christian or do you read the Bible? And they'd say, yeah. And I'm like, well, haven't you read in the Bible where it tells you not to walk in fear? The only thing you're supposed to fear is God. And they just, again, deer caught in headlights, you know, it's funny that the people who proclaim to be the most religious people know the least about their scriptural text. Um, So, but I think staying in a high vibratory state really will accelerate things. I managed to hear that. And thank you, Melinda, because I agree. You have to raise your vibration. The lower they keep you down, especially with, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all the things that people love. Um, And there's nothing wrong with a little bit of, all of that. It's just when it becomes this kind of agenda and this cult-like stuff down your throat. Um, and this is where if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. So we have to remove, you know, these kind of negative vibrations that keep you down and, and raise them. So I love what you said, Melinda, just to echo that. I'm in the UK and I'm a retired GP. And I saw a consultant ophthalmologist a week ago, and I refused to wear a mask. And he told me that uh, very soon a Cochrane study review is going to be published that is very damning of masks. Now, I don't know if you know what a Cochrane study is, but it's one of the highest regarded uh, group of people who review the evidence. And uh, the review has been done. It's very damning of masks. And that will be made public very soon, according to him. He's read it. He thinks naively that they will drop masks immediately. I'm not so sure that they will. It'll be interesting to see how public the review comes, actually. But they've done the review, and it's hard to justify the NHS or anywhere else insisting on masks, because everyone in the NHS will get to see it. So it's interesting, I think. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Susie. I know there was something, um, there was a few things floating around um, emails from NHS Trust, but there was an immediate recall on masks um, or certain batches of masks uh, in the NHS. I wonder if that has any kind of relation. Maybe, maybe. I mean, they may not want to be honest about the results of the review. They might just withdraw them for another reason because you can't trust them with anything. But you know, I mean, we all know they're bad for you, but it, it's good that there are some good people doing the research that agree with us. Do you know where we'll be able to find that? Will it be accessible? It's not being published yet, um, yep. but I'll be seeing him in, I'm having my cataracts done, 
and um, I'll be seeing him for that in just over two weeks. I will be asking him again, you know, when it's going to be published. Yeah. That's interesting. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that is the same thing as the Cochrane Review in the United States. The Cochrane Review used to be a really great organization, but a few years ago they sold out um, to global elites. Um, I believe it was Bill Gates, if I'm correct on that. I'm not sure because it's been several years ago since I ran across that. Um, so again, it just remains to be seen if, if that actually does come out or not. But Cochrane Reviews used to pretty much be the gold standard in the States until they um, took a you know great deal of money to basically sell their organization. I, I think that the chairman resigned, didn't he, a couple of years ago because it was so corrupt. But my point is, if they have found out from this review that masks are, are terrible, uh, then even if it's a corrupt organization, they've got the right result, if you know what I mean. So if it becomes public, and if I find it any way, I will be letting you know, but it's not quite ready for publication yet, I don't think. That would be great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I just wanted to speak about uh, like general overall strategy that I think might be going on. Um, it seems that there's two um, opposing camps that are having a bit of a battle at the moment, and we're, I think, the prize. Um, I kind of, <laughs> through reading, found out that there was a general move to induce a false narrative around the end of the world and revelations and the four horsemen of apocalypse. Um, so the four horsemen of the apocalypse, if you Google it, it's conquest, war, famine and death. Um, I think we're on, we're approaching number three of the four, which is we've had the conquest. Um, name any of the wars of the last 20 years. Uh, if you want to speak to war specifically at the moment, we've got Ukraine and now we're We've touched on number three in this conversation, which is around famine. So it seems that we've got food um, processing plants being destroyed and bursting into flames mysteriously. There's two things, two bodies of thought on that. The first is that it's White Hats destroying um, nefarious plants. The other is that it's the Dark Hats destroying it in order to limit the food supply. Um, together with the dark hat notion that we're going to buy at farmland and um, end farming and therefore induce famine in the West. Um, then you combine that with um, celebrities saying it's a good idea to eat insects. It's no, I don't think it's any particular um, coincidence that three to six months ago or whenever it was that we see Gates or the avatar of Gates um, deciding to release genetically modified mosquitoes in Florida. <clears throat> so in other words, come and eat insects. Oh, and by the way, they're, you know, genetically modified the way uh, the dark had to want them. And then on the flip side of that, we've got um, people waking up. And I think we've touched on it again in this conversation. You know, it starts with Sri Lanka and then throwing the, the prime minister out and the presidential palace being overrun, we're seeing more 
riots and protests going on, you know, Dutch farmers and such. And I think that's indicative of um, the public waking up. So if anyone here is like me, who felt like a bit of a gut punch going on when Joe Biden walked down the steps of what was what we thought was the White House, but it probably wasn't back uh, a couple of years back or whatever it was, thinking, come on, we need uh, we need an intervention here. Surely we can't have this happen. We look back over the last uh, period of the Biden presidency and all the, the stuff that's gone on from leaving all the weaponry in Afghanistan to the supply chain issues, ships held up at ports, um, the open southern border, inflation, etc., etc. And this is just the US. We're seeing similar problems around the world with so-called leaders. I'm just mindful that this may have been a brilliant play as a way of waking people up because certainly from where I'm sitting, more and more people are waking up. The worse it gets, the more people wake up, the more people want to rebel against it and the more people um, won't accept what's being thrust upon them. Um, we're seeing an acceleration of things through the WEF now where they're bringing stuff forward for the 2030 agenda, you know, the removal of cars and motorbikes. Um, it goes on and on. And I think the harder that they push, the more people wake up. And I just think that we're at a point where we're getting to a position where maybe there has to be a threshold of people waking up, or maybe they're just lining things up so that everything is ready to go. But I think things are boiling. Things are certainly getting to a boiling point. And I think that's when we're going to start to see change. And it's just a case of what will be the trigger, whether it's Operation London Bridge, whether it's um, Biden's removals for whatever excuse, um, whether it's a crash of the US dollar. Certainly we're seeing Russia and China forming their own reserve currency that came out in the last 24 hours, which means that the US dollar will no longer be the world's reserve currency, which means that there's too many dollars sloshing around the world, which means that there's gonna be a crash in the US dollar that, or whether it's Evergrande in the stock market. I mean, take your pick as to what you think the trigger might be. But I'm kind of thinking that actually we're reaching reaching a climax, really. Um, so I'm kind of sat here just biding my time, uh, watching the world burn, knowing that actually things are going to get a whole lot better. And I'm really hopeful of it. Um, that doesn't mean to say that I'm kind of slack or lackadaisical. You know, my way of waking people up would be to ask pertinent questions, which do stop people in their tracks and give them the proverbial rabbit in the headlights. But I'm really hopeful that this year we're going to be in a very different position in December than we were in December of this year than where we were in January. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I've got to say. Yeah, I, I wanted to um, say, say something. Is that okay? Um, about uh, the real Fauci book. And I was working my way through, and it's actually so shocking how um, Fauci and, of course, Bill Gates as well have just had so many obvious uh, crimes um, behind them and for so many years. And these books, this book has been out for a, a while, half a year or something. And in a way, it hasn't been, we haven't been loud enough about it, I think. It's just unbelievable how they were even trying, they were even feeding children poison directly with, with uh, pipes into their, their 
stomachs if they weren't willing to take those um, poisonous drugs. And um, it's just astonishing what's in there. So many different um, occasions. Um, and yeah, I don't know if people have read that. What book is that, please? That's the real Fauci book by Kennedy. The real Tony Fauci book. Well, thank you for that contribution. And, and Nick, thank you for kind of wrapping up, you know, putting into a summary. <laughs> I like how you, um, you know, commented whatever that trigger is. But you're right. This is where Melinda and I were discussing earlier. And this, this whole conversation, I guess, is just to remind people, don't give up. We're, we're not over. And it's not just one week puppet for the next. It really isn't. Don't get caught up in the headlines. Don't get into the little circle jerk of, you know, yes, 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 what's sensible, what's, what's been done, what's, you know, the, you know, in the precedented of times. And where we're going, it's, it's quite um, daunting, but at the end of the tunnel, you know, just, just know that we're not, we can't go backwards. We're going to see this out to the very end. And it ends one way for, for these people. It really does. Um, so I appreciate everyone's time today. Thank you for your contributions. Uh, keep standing. And if you don't know what to do, just keep, you know, just don't comply. It's just that simple. And, and keep your vibrations positive so that you're not being, you know, lured into the false, you know, rhetoric or the fear mongering or the placation of, you know, dangling a carrot, um, stand your ground, all of us together. All right. So I guess we're just going to wrap this up. Thank you for everyone here. Um, Vicki, any last thoughts? Yeah, I have faith in, in, uh, the gold, the silver, your crypto investments, keep researching, share your research. Thank you for everybody who does. Um, it helps us immensely when we're, we're looking at things, isn't it, Jennifer? Yeah. Yeah. And we really love that all of you came and joined us today. If any of you want to um, have any ideas for threads or want to have a discussion about something, just send me a message. Uh, I will keep you updated on future guests and who we'll be talking to next. And I look forward to speaking to you all at the next community call. Thank you.